me feel like I'm a part of something bigger. My favorite business show. Hands down the best B2B sales and marketing podcast. The ultimate resource for salespeople. George makes me want to conquer local. An authentic entertainer. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Here's George Leaf. It's another edition of the Conquer Local podcast. And for this edition, we go halfway around the world to Johannesburg, South Africa, to speak to the CEO of MediaMark. MediaMark is a part of a media organization that was actually created by a trust of Bishop Desmond Tutu to give back to the communities. And as part of their line of businesses, they are aligned with the biggest radio broadcasters in South Africa. So virtually every radio listener will understand the brands that Wayne's organization represents, like Jacaranda FM and East Coast Radio. Wayne and I have known each other for a number of years. He's probably one of the smarter sales leaders that I have had the privilege of drinking South African wine with and uh, having the odd uh, proper braai. We're going to get Wayne on the Conquer Local podcast in a few moments from beautiful Johannesburg, South Africa, when we return next. all the way from uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, joining us. Wayne, very excited to have you on the show. Um, I'm not going to tell people how many times we've tried to schedule the great Wayne Bischoff to get you onto the (laughs) Cogger Local podcast over the last couple of years. You know, um, as a bit of backstory, Wayne and I met a number of years ago, about five years ago, um, at a time when he was uh, Chief Revenue Officer. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about your transition and growth from Chief Revenue Officer to CEO. But first, maybe give us just a bit of background on on you and and your career and uh, and what um, fills your time right now. What's the as CEO of MediaMark? What does that that uh, career look like? But let's start at the beginning. Where did where did this all begin for you as a as a career sales leader? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I mean, if I want to go right back to my initial career, I think, in sales. I think when I was about seven years old, my father used to be a sales director for a General Motors dealership in Johannesburg. And he, I used to get these bunches of pencils from the office that he brought home. And I'd take them to school and sell them to my friends for about two cents each. I didn't need the money. I wasn't a starving kid, but it, I just got the joy, the joy of selling. Then, then in my teens, I, I, I was introduced to one of the guys who brought the first Weber barbecues into the country, uh, another ubiquitous in this country. And I started marketing those, demonstrating them, cooking chicken on, chicken on them and selling the damn things to make money while I was at school and in my first couple of years of university. So I think the selling side's always been in me. That's, that's uh, pretty much part of my makeup. But uh, getting into media uh, sales was almost by accident. And ended up going into the UK after university. I thought I'd get into industrial relations or something of, of that sort, which I studied for, and ended up getting a job that was looking for graduates at a company that's, that had magazines like Classic Car Magazine, uh, you know, a whole lot of, of, of consumer magazines. And I, I got an ad sales job there in a magazine, print sales, you know, telesales. And that's sort of my first role back in, in the media sales. Moved on a few years there. The end of my, my last year in the UK, I ended up working at Yellow Pages Sales Limited. In the good old days when there, there was no Google, that was your Google, Yellow Pages. 
And it was a brilliant company. And I, I cut my teeth there. Great learnings. Came back to South Africa. Uh, eventually got into to radio sales. One of the top companies over here um, with a main talk radio station group. Moved on there. Got into television. Um, got into the first uh, um, free-to-air television station called ETV, where I was general manager of sales. Uh, from there, I ended up getting a job in the – I went to the UK, actually, for a couple of years, heading up um, um, a company called TV Africa, which was a, a U.S.-funded um, Pan-African TV group. We had offices in uh, Abidjan, you know, Lagos, Nairobi, Johannesburg, and I was heading up the European office to, for sales across the whole of Europe for big European brands. Came back, got back in the radio, uh, then left uh, – radio and went to a company where I was MD actually called Habari Media, a digital sales house. And back then, um, this is about nearly 10 years ago now, we we at the time, we Habari Media had the rights for reselling rights, exclusive reselling rights for Africa for Facebook, for LinkedIn, BC.com and a whole lot of local South African online brands in the early days. So, you know, cut my teeth in digital Went from there um, to Trudon is where we sort of know each other from as well, uh, uh, George, which was the local Yellow Pages company, which got me to understand the local business and the small, medium business sector and to get an understanding of that sector and their needs and their pains, their pain points. And now in the last uh, year and a half, I've been uh, CEO of MediaMark and we're essentially a, an ad sales, media sales house, we represent a whole lot of digital assets from, from uh, Gumtree through to some big South African sites, MSN, and the, our main revenue, 90% actually, is radio. So we have probably after the, the, the national state broadcast, so we have the biggest portfolio of radio stations in the country. 80% of our money comes from the big ad agencies, only 20% from the sort of direct smaller clients, and that's the area obviously I'm going to work on. But that's the work side. You know, I'm a father of, uh, of two teenagers. We're all stuck at home right now under lockdown. The kids are starting to get back to school a couple of days a week. I'm popping into the office maybe once a week. Uh, but we're hitting our sort of peak in terms of uh, infection rates. So I'm staying home. I've got 170 people in the company, all working remotely, working very well. We've uh, managed to push our company into the digital age uh, in, in two, three months. We didn't have a choice, but it's actually working out very well. And uh, we're maintaining. The economy's terrible. It's probably it's terrible throughout the world. We're struggling, but we'll get through this as a leaner, meaner, and uh, more customer-obsessed company. You know, you and I, you and I have been uh, talking quite a bit through this this time. And what I saw um, in you about um, three months ago, when we first started discussing as this event occurred, was you you really pivoted to be a wartime CEO, and you know, every, everything's under scrutiny, and and you know we. We were just talking before we came onto the podcast with the team here in the studio. Probably have never worked harder. Um, I always thought that I That's was working true. hard, but uh, you know, I think that <laughs> I think that when you are faced with a challenge, certain individuals really dig in uh, because they just aren't going to accept uh, you know an excuse or they're going to look for the opportunity. The one thing I wanted to really ask about is um, your ascension 
you know, you, you get to be chief revenue officer overseeing all of revenue for an organization. Um, you were managing director with managing director is a term that isn't really used a lot in North America, but in other okay. parts of the world that, you know, that's CEO, right? You're like, you're running the thing. That's the same thing. It's the same right? thing. But now, thing. now here you are again as CEO. And I guess the question that I have, because we have a lot of, um, a lot of entrepreneurs that are running their own business and, and they subscribe. We've got sales executives that work at large organizations. And then we've got sales leadership group, leadership and, and CEOs. Um, the question I have is, how much of that DNA of sales, because it's your career, that's what, you know, when you look back at that resume yeah. that you quoted, it's, it's sales. How much of that is now a part of your day-to-day as you run that business as the CEO? That's a really good question. You know, I think when I was chief revenue officer and sort of sales directors in past lives, the one thing you, you, you realize you don't control, you know, the influence is products and, and, you know, finance and all the other parts of the business and marketing. And the CEO role, obviously, now you have a, you can get involved in everything. And what, what the sales side brings with it is a complete obsession with the customer. You know, so whether it's a finance department, I'll be seeing how are they engaging with the CFOs or the finance departments of our clients and our big ad agencies. You know, are they being customer-centric and obsessed over there? Our marketing, how's our marketing in, engaging with our client base? Our own, you know, traffic and ad, you know, ad operations department, right across the board. So everything's with the sales hat, right down to the front desk. I'll make sure that our front desk, when I answer that phone, when we're back one day, it's you know, customer centric. Everyone's thinking, how can I help our customers? How can I help them, you know, help them grow their businesses? And that's a mindset that envelops the whole, the whole organization. I'm seeing it more and more. I'm seeing some, some friends of mine who are, you know, CEOs of companies who really are essentially, you know, the best sales leaders you can find, but they have a very broad scope. So I think in a day and age like this, the old days of, you know, very much CEO does this, sales does that, we all got to be in sales. Well, and, uh, you know, it's so timely that you bring that up. I was working with a few of our leadership. We're, we're um, in a fortunate position where we're going to be able to accelerate our growth from a headcount standpoint, which is you know, maybe a little counterintuitive as people are, are peeling back, but you know, we're, we're a software company in a growth stage and we know that some individuals are not working right now because of this unfortunate time. And, you know, quote Churchill, let's not let a, gr- a crisis go to waste. Um, we're, you know, we're going to be Johnny on the spot and go in and see if we can attract that talent. And one of the thing I, when we were working with the the recruitment and onboarding team. And I can't, you know, it's, it's so, when I say that, it's like, I'm, I'm over here in a surreal moment. Like we have Two teams, their jobs are to recruit, onboard, and and sometimes build a process to disqualify people that may have gamed the interview process and are now inside the company, and you want to make sure they're the right people. It's a really interesting yeah, yeah. thing that we're building. I call it a, 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 a machine where we're going to find these people. But one of the things we talked about, and it was just yesterday, was how do you vet that individual um, and how do you instill that customer-centric view? Where I'm not saying the customer is always right, but it you know at least have the the seek to understand and the empathy and the ability to maybe show them where they may not you know maybe this isn't right in the context, but not to basically say you know you don't know what you're talking about as a customer and you know we we all could talk about horror stories of individuals that we employed or maybe even in my <laughs> earlier days where I did some stupid thing because I didn't know any better, but you know how do you instill that into an organization and then also how do you how do you hire for that? Yeah, I think in terms of instilling it, there's a certain culture that, uh, you know, I was with this company. I left 
2010 was the last I left there as group sales director. I've come back as CEO, and back then, in 2010, they had the very first what they called the uh, the most awards, the media owner sales uh, awards, which customers and ad agencies voted for the best in class. And I went up and I got the award back then for the best, you know, best uh, uh, sales teams in, in, in the country. So that's one way. That's still stayed with us. So there's a culture of always super serving our customers. But and I, what I, one thing I do internally is I'm always seeing how can we reward people across every department. You know, it's not money, monetary rewards. It's just sort of shout-outs. It's, it's recognition. At all my town halls that I do, I who can we recognize for going the extra mile for a client? So you keep instilling that. So it's not just the sales department. Everyone's involved in it. But I think a key point is also how do we hire for that? And one thing I've, you know, probably getting people's nerves, but I always say anyone coming into the sales side, you know, anyway, I want to meet them in the sort of final, final mile before they, they sign the dotted line. And I want to see what kind of people they are. I want to find out what, what motivates them. So there's a sales guy that tells me he's motivated by money. I don't want that guy. Then that's all about drive-by muggings. I just want to get the money and move on. You know, I want someone who says I'm here, I'm motivated and inspired by helping a customer grow their business or getting a great successful campaign through a big ad agency on air, a little bit of digital, and, you know, the money will flow later. But if they say they're motivated by money, that's their key driver. That's not the kind of sales guy I, I, I want because we're not selling, as I think they say in the North American market, aluminum siding, right? Yeah. So. It's, 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 it's attitude. I'm looking for the right attitude. I'm looking for people as well who challenge. They don't just come in and say, I'll do it the same old way. I want them to tell me what could be done better. What's the market looking for? What are the pain points of clients? How are they going to do things differently? How are they going to stand out and, and make a difference and challenge their leaders? I want people who challenge, you know, who can, who can move, move mountains to get things done for, for our customers. And customers, again, you said the word... Uh, Customers are always right. Customers not always right, but they are king. <laughs> well, and that that's interesting because, you know, we have this concept of um, we want to super serve the customer. And sometimes super serving the customer is to challenge a thought that they have or a methodology that they have that needs to change. And, and, so, and you know, that's a tough one, right? Because I think a lot of times in the, in the old way of selling, um, and here you are, you and I are talking about the old way of selling. It was about, let's build a relationship. <laughs> let's get that person to love us. And then we'll, when we got some remnant inventory, we can go to that person and, and sell it. To, you, you know what I mean? You know, while, yeah. while that might've been the right thing to do at certain times, I think it's a, it's a whole different world now. And, uh, it, when, when you're building a good relationship with a business partner, a customer, um, the ability to say, I think there might be a better way and here's some data to back it up. And, and it might not even relate to more reven, revenue for you, but it's the right yeah. thing to do for the customer. And that, that's really where, where we've ended up. One of the things Amen. I wanted to interrogate, Amen. Wayne, is across your career, um, we, you know, in media, and I, it really hit me as an epiphany the other day, when I, I was listening to, uh, there's a big consolidation going on in North America where um, Gannett, which is one of the largest newspaper companies, and Gatehouse, yep. which they, they merged together, right? They created this super company, and uh, they've been going through some changes in leadership. I want to make sure that I get close to quoting this correctly because if it's going to quote into the universe and people are going to hear this thing. But <laughs> the, the statement that was made by the, the managing, um, the, the CEO that's coming into place was all around the audience that those 260 titles serve 
and the fact that it's the trusted source for news and information because that is the the legacy of that brand that they're trading on is you know we we have this audience we're the trusted voice we're the place that people go for that local information and of course national information because that brand has USA today and it, it kind of smacked me right in the head that as an industry and this could be a I might get in trouble for yeah, this but I don't yeah. care um, <laughs> as an industry we did a poor job of positioning the other side of the business. So here's the side of the business that is around the newsroom and the the way that we're collecting this information or in the radio business around how the broadcasters are entertaining the audience and and connecting with that local community. And I know that for Jacaranda and East Coast Radio, that's a big part of the value proposition you bring to the market. But what about the reps? What about the sales side of the organization? What about the relationship that they have with the business community? And over our careers, I guarantee you, if you and I get into a bottle of bourbon, we could tell a story about a client that phoned us and said, should I buy this? And it wasn't even our stuff, but it was because we were the trusted expert that they could reach out to, to get that guidance. And I don't know if the media business has done a good enough job of having that as one of their value propositions is we have these local experts, we train them, we, you know. Um, your, your thoughts on that, because I think that, that might be a controversial thing that I just said. Look, I totally agree with you. It's, it's, it's not even that, con- it is controversial for some media, media sales uh, teams out there. But I've always said to my guys, you have to, the first three things you have to build, build with a client is trust. It's trust, trust, and trust. Once you're trusted and you've seen almost as an extension of their, their marketing department, you know, you're going to help them grow their business. I want them to be able to come to you and ask for advice on other, other media types and even other radio stations. You might actually say, listen, this is a great radio station for that market, you know, but we, we operate in this market. You have to be trustworthy. So I'm making sure our guys are trained up across all media types. So a client might say, I want to use some out-of-home advertising along with my radio and a bit of digital and audio digital as well. What do you suggest? And I'm wanting my guys to be able to do that. And more and more, that's how they build trust for the long term. So you might not even get a sale now. And especially right now, this, this current period of COVID, we're finally seeing a bit of a turnaround now in our direct smaller clients this month. The last three months, they've been dead. They've been underwater. They've been drowning. They've been trying to survive. The guys have stayed in touch with them. They've kept sending them information snippets and said, how are you doing? What can I do? What, how can I help you? We've even gone to them and said, we're going to give you, you know, some, some live interviews for your business for free just to keep sustaining you so you can survive through this, this time. So it's about building trust every single time and, and being an extension of their media department, their marketing department, as the way I say it. But the you trust know, is number one, and you get them back, in, and they stay with you. It's not about the sale now. You might not get the revenue now. In fact, the, what, I, what I said to the team, one of my town halls was, um, you know, there's a time to sort of, you know, reap revenue, and right now is a time to cultivate relation, relationships. That's number one right now. Build those relationships. Be there to help them get through this. We're in this together. We feel the pain with them. We'll get through this and get to the other side. As long as they trust you, that you're not just trying to make a quick buck, trying to get money out of them right now, and then you know when they when they fail, then you don't really give a damn. So it's a different mindset. There's certain people who get it. Most do. They're, the ones that don't, obviously, they they're not you know core to being part of my future team. It's interesting. I've been doing a lot of uh, film review and uh, this is what remote allows us to do. You can be on the call, you can watch the demo, you can watch the screen share. Um, and I, I, you know, we've got some young new sales reps, maybe not new to selling, but new to our organization. 
And when yeah. I when I get on a call and I'm 15 minutes into the call and I watch them rush the prospect through that beginning portion of understanding their business. And then they're like, yeah, I'm having a problem in, in getting this deal done. And, and we just go back to that yeah. first or second call and say, you, you went right to solution without establishing that you, that you were the right person to propose that solution because you didn't, you know, I like to call it the give a shit meter. Um, in those first couple of questions, do you actually give a shit about the prospect or are you just there because you give a shit about you? And, and the client can see that coming a mile away like that. Yeah. We, we all, yeah. we all hate that if we're buying a pair of shoes or we're, and yeah. so it's, it's an, it's an interesting, it's an interesting transition that we are going through. So Wayne, one of the things I wanted to interrogate with you, and I'm, I'm really excited to have this conversation because when we work with our partners and we work with our internal sales teams, um, you know, a lot of people look at digital and they're like, I want to sell digital advertising. And you know, there's a few people that smile when a when a when an advertising salesperson says, "I want to go sell digital." And I'll tell you who those three people are: Larry, Sergey, and Mark. So, <laughs> right, because what Google and Facebook did was they built out an audience, they built an ecosystem, and then they leveraged all of the other salespeople on the planet to sell their stuff, which is quite brilliant by the way. And, and I know you can go into Facebook and you could run an ad campaign or you could do it on Google, but we both know that in this industry, the majority of those SKUs are sold. They're not bought. Yep. And, and yep. we're, we're into this years into this thing. We had Todd Rowe who uh, heads up um, Google for uh, business in North America on the podcast a few weeks back. They got, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative because we sell a lot of Google and Facebook across yeah, the yeah, board. Of course. But I guess the question comes into this. I know that you're moving into adding digital marketing services to a company that traditionally has sold advertising. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've been training people in this space for a number of years. And, and here's, the, here's the interrogation I want to get into. You've got this ad seller that's very focused on building awareness for an organization. And now, and now you're able to sell the rest of the stack. And the rest of the stack is that consumer journey. And we've talked a lot yeah. about that on the Conquer Local podcast around the gaps in that. So we run an ad campaign and the listings are broken. Well, that's not quite going to work out for you as a business. We run the ad campaign and I find negative reputation. Well, that's not going to work out. And what I mean by not working out is that at any point, portion after you've built that awareness, if the rest of the funnel isn't airtight, you basically have just paid for your competitors. You know, you've, you might as well have just given them the budget because the competitor that has a better journey is going to win that client. So good. Now we get through, everybody's like, yeah, George heard it a million times. I can pretty much quote the episodes where you've went through this um, ad nauseum. Here's the challenge that I'd like to get your big brain around because you've been doing this for a long time. I believe that advertising is a separate sales motion. So you have this ad, the ad thing doesn't change. We're there and we're having that conversation around, we need to build your brand. You have an excess yeah. of inventory you need to move. We need to come up with a creative way to put that in front of a, an audience. So that's advertising. But what my proposal to you and where I wanna get your feedback is, we still need that foundational solution. We still need that thing that just is on all the time. Sometimes I've even said that that foundation of, you know, are you open and is your listing data correct so that yeah. we can find you? And then, you know, can I trust you, which is reputation, word of mouth now online, and then social, and then the website conversion point. 
That's like like having a point of sale system. That's like having the flashing open sign outside of your business. That's like having insurance. It's like basic things that if you're, it's like having a power bill. Like you cannot yeah. run your business without those items. Now I digress a bit because I think it's a different sales motion, not totally outside, but it's different than ads because ads kind of come and go and they ebb and flow based upon the need of the client to build awareness or to move inventory. Whereas these other things are, you know, they're on until cancel. They're like, you run them till you shut the business down. How, how are we going to take salespeople to do both of those things? Because they're very different. They are, they are, they are, to- they are different. I mean, the thing is, you know, there's the advertising side, which is, hey, just get an ad out in air. Well, let's put a little banner up on, your, on our website or something and get some awareness for you. But what I've come to realize is that there's often quite a bit of churn in the direct, small, what we call direct market, this small, medium market. And that's where 20% of our cash comes from for our radio stations. You know, just a quick, we need to grow that dramatically because uh, it should be 60-40. It protects us as well, we realize, because when the big brands cut their marketing budgets, you're in trouble. But Back to the direct side, the smaller business. You'll have a smaller business. They'll do an ad campaign on the radio station. They'll say, you know, they didn't come back the following month. Didn't work for me. And the reps will go, well, it didn't work. We're very sorry. Then you sort of, they're not, I've been saying, guys, analyze their, analyze their, 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 full, their full presence, you know. Right now, if I hear your ad, I'm going to go straight online and try to search for you, right? If I can't find you, you've lost the sale. If you've got a terrible experience, you know, with with your, your your you know with your website or your e-commerce doesn't exist, you've got a bad reputation on your on your social media pages. Uh, all these things mess up the the initial campaign at a radio. And what happens is they blame the radio station, they blame the ad campaign, the radio. So sitting with sales guys, they've finally got their heads around it through a lot of the training that you know your guys have been doing with them. Is you know, I'm offering the full solution to my clients. So yes, you got the awareness, but right down the funnel to getting that actual sale and especially getting e-commerce going as well, because that's the name of the game right now. We're helping them grow their business. So they, they're there as business advisors. They're moving away from being sales reps to kind of full business advisors and consultants. And that's a whole new way of training them. So again, there'll be those who are going to adopt it and, and understand it quickly and then move on. There are those who, who won't get it, but it's, it's looking for a different type of person. It's here we go. You trust me. You trust my radio brand. I'm like offering you a full solution. You know, instead of having your, your son do your social media and your cousin down around the corner build a website for you, here's a full solution. We can see how it all works together. And, 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 and that, that's the only way we're going to be able to succeed as a, as, as a, as a trusted consultant for these guys. Well, one, one of the things that, you know, Dennis, you um, had told me this a, a few years back when it was about a year after we met. And Dennis had been a guest in the podcast a number of times. He said that you got to get the pipes right. And, um, you know, what what you were, we're talking about here is more around, you, you could go get your website over here and you could go over here and do your social and you could go over here and buy some Instagram ads. But the only way that you're going to understand if that funnel or that pipeline is working correctly is if it's tied together and you can put one lens over top of it to say, how are all of these different tactics working to bring it together? So, you know, to recap what you said, and and thank you for validating my thought process on this, the, the rep who is used to selling advertising, 
keeping in mind that customers need advertising. Like I, I I'm, I'm still a big proponent that you need to build your brand. You need to of do course. it in various yeah. places. Like that, that hasn't gone away, but I think that we, we now live in a time where we can actually do a lot more measurement. And just because you built that awareness, where did they go? Um, they didn't necessarily come through your pipe because if there's a leak in that pipe at any of these other areas, it really is a game yeah. changer for businesses to understand this. And, um, I was working with an automotive group earlier this week, and we were doing some analysis of, of the various funnels. And we, and we were analyzing their funnels to say, okay, um, we've come out of, out of COVID. Our markets are opening up. We're fortunate. You guys are on your way there soon. But um, what happened if a lead went to this listing site to see if you were open? Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's a pretty poignant discussion right now because there, you could go to any business <laughs> online and find some gaps in what's online. Like if they're doing a lot of curbside service, um, that would be important to have on the listing source. Now, the listing sources, they moved quickly to be able to allow that information to sit there because they need the audience to interact with the source to then drive the, the clicks. But then we go to the reputation portion. What are people saying about your post-COVID experience? So here's yeah. the other thing. I'm throwing everything out the window that I know about a brand from beforehand. Happened to me last night. I'm trying to buy a door in a door frame. I'm now on my third hardware store. It's getting, it, we're after eight o'clock. So most stores close around nine o'clock during the weeknights. Wife and I are driving across town. We're like, we should maybe check online and see if the co-op is open, co-op lumberyard. And uh, lo and behold, she did. And it said it was open till nine. So we made the drive. And I was, I was reluctant to make the drive because I know there's construction on that street. And I show up at the co-op hardware store. Do you want to know where the uh, story goes? They, they closed at, at nine. They closed at seven. Oh, right. So oh, they, they have a different set of hours, but they didn't go and put that information online. And now the, the next day comes up and I'm going to go to the hardware store close by because I don't want to go back through that traffic. I, we could go through story after story. Yeah, We're experiencing well. it as consumers and we need our, our sales professionals who are trusted with helping that local customer to articulate those stories and show them that's why your revenue is down or that's why you're not getting that customer base back is because all the advertising in the world, if this other these other pieces aren't congruent, um, so it's, it's a really interesting time and it's a problem that we probably won't solve in a, in a podcast, but I, I did want to get people thinking about you, you sell the foundational solutions in one way with one set of deliverables. And then you sell the advertising the same way that, you know, read, read uh, Roy Williams' Wizard of Ads. You know, go back to that book where he talks about business morphine and he talks about, you know, branding and all of those things still apply. But what's happened and where advertising has taken a bit of a hit where you, you, you articulated it so well, we ran the campaign and now we got to understand what happened. It's understanding the rest of that funnel and building, building that funnel really well to support the, the ad spend and, and make that thing work better. Look, we, and I think right now in this, currently we're still in COVID, COVID uh, kind of mode over here, the guys are emerging from, from its, you know, in somewhat as we open the economy up a bit more. Is that there's a there's a desire I'm feeling and hearing from smaller medium businesses to have a real real proper digital presence and online you know uh, presence that they've never had before. It's become more relevant than ever before because a lot of them aren't trading you know directly in their stores or you said curbside pickups. And you write some you know I'll, I'll look at a certain restaurant and you'll see 
it's, it gives you the hours they're open and they're actually not open yet. So guys haven't fixed that. But there's a there's a need and a want uh, to get into the space. And that, you know, now's the time more than ever before for us to to hold their hands, to utilize the the, the trusted you know aura of our, our radio stations and the on air presenters who they have a personal relationship with, they feel to go out there and say, Here we're gonna we're gonna help you with your business and get that whole pipe right. And I love the word, you know, get those pipes right. I mean that and tied together. That 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 completely makes sense. Um, one final question before we let you go, because I know it's in the evening and, um, I appreciate you making some time. Also it's winter. Well, not yet. It's fall. fall. (laughs) We're headed towards winter in South Africa. Um, your sales team primarily before COVID like to go face to face, get in the car, drive across town, see a client. Um, I, how proficient were they at performing their function remotely? The thing that we're doing right now, where we're on a Google hangout, um, and and performing this podcast, and um, you know some tips as organizations start to look inside and and go, how are we doing in this remote uh, revenue motion? Because it really changed the way that we deal with customers um, through this time. I'd like to just get your your analysis of how your organization performed. Yeah, I mean that that's when it first hit. It was it was you know I think people were sort of dazed and confused and thinking how long will this last for. So on the national side, what I call the big agency side, that where you have relationships already, it was a lot easier because you know you you, you know them from face to face. So you need to pick up the phone, WhatsApp. You know we're using Teams, we're using Zoom, set up formal meetings. We set up a whole lot of webinars. We had virtual hot desking is a big thing we've been doing lately. Uh, but in the direct side, where you had the relationship again, you kept staying in touch. How's it going? How things? How can I help you? What's business looking like? What else can we do when you come out of this? Here's a tip I heard from an international brand. But where you didn't know the clients, the cold calling side, that pretty much came to came to, to, to a bit of a standstill on our, on our direct business because it's difficult to get hold of someone and just speak to them on the phone, right? Teddy sales, the guys aren't used to that. But the, the, core, the core kind of like uh, responsibility, you know, we said to the guys was keep your existing clients. Look after your existing clients. Now's the time just to nurture them and keep them till we get out of this. Isn't the time to be sort of hunting as such? So, you know, as we emerge now, I think there'll be a lot more cold calling starting to happen and to find new clients and, 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 and utilize. But it's been difficult. It's been a whole new way of interacting. But I tell you, it's separating out the, uh, you know, the brilliant from the, from the good. And the guys that are starting to do really well now, it's because they were there for their clients in the dark days. The other thing that I'm hearing from other sales leaders um, that you touched on is you, you've got, um, well, let, I can say this because I am an old dog. So you've got old dogs mm-hmm. and you're teaching them new tricks. And the really smart ones, um, which doesn't include me because I'm not really smart, but the really smart ones are going <laughs> to realize that the inefficiency in their previous sales motion where you would drive across town for an appointment, chances are the client would stand you up or be 20 minutes late. You would have to put this big hole in your calendar of two hours because you got traffic. you got to allow for the fact that the client might not be ready at the time before you put it into another meeting. And you're sitting here going, no, I could schedule Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting or Google Hangout yeah. after Google Hangout or Microsoft Teams after Microsoft team meeting and hit five or six customers without having that drive, without having that. I, you know, I feel that the people that are really in this to win it will, if they've done it a few times and start to get 
good at it, they'll realize that this is a game changer for the efficiency. Yeah. Now, the other thing is yeah. the buyers are actually saying they like it better too. And, and we have data points to back this up where the business buyers are saying, I'm busy too. Thank you for you know respecting that time and giving me the ability to do this remote because if they're not in the in the operation yeah. they're at the back shop wherever they are they pop it up on their phone and they're still able to have the meeting so it's a it's a very interesting time well, that's that's yeah that's exactly it i mean I'm, the productivity's gone up with the guys in order to do it some have said it's harder others say that they're loving it because they when they eventually get out there they'll go see their key clients and you'll you'll keep the relationships going because nothing beats face to face but they're getting more calls in a day there's less loose talk. If you're going to do a pitch deck, it's shorter, it's to the point, and now it's 30 minutes. It's not an hour, an hour and a half. When it's 30 minutes, to the point, bang, bang, bang. And as you said, you can be walking around with your phone in your hand, having a video conference and, and catching up and discussing it. So I think the productivity is going to increase massively. It's going to save fuel costs. Uh, you know, and there's no need to even come to the office, they've realized. There's no actual need to come in. Maybe you come in once or twice a week. I think the whole, the whole way we're going to work you know, when we get back, I don't think I'll need the same office size at all anymore. Probably cut that office space in half. It's it's interesting. You're the fourth person in the last 48 hours that are CEOs of organization telling me that. That uh, Let's leave that. You and I will discuss that the next time we get to see each other. Um, you know, Wayne, it's a pleasure. I, I was really pushing to get you on the show because, you know, your career... You've been in the business for a long time and with the right mindset of helping that customer. You built really deep relationships. You know, I've met people that have known you for years and you've always been professing this gospel of, of customer-centric uh, revenue yeah. motion. And we appreciate getting those learnings from you. Uh, wish you and your teams all the best. Got to know a, a number of your fine folks. You do a great job of recruiting and bringing on talent. I will tell you that. Um, and for you and your family, all the best and stay, stay safe and say hi to my friends in South Africa. It's one of my favorite places oh, on the planet. And we hope that, that that economy and those great people come out of this better when, when we are on the other side. George, thank you so much for this catch up. It's been always you know, brilliant catching up with you and discussing and shooting the breeze about what's going to work best for our customers. But what I really want to do is when this whole damn thing's over, is to get you out over here for a good old braai. And a bri, of course, is a South African barbecue. And a few glasses of our best uh, Franschuk and Stellenbosch wines. And, and th that's, that's what I'm going to do with you. Wayne, I'm looking forward to it. You, you have a guarantee that that'll happen sooner than later. Have a great day. All the best. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Well, Wayne said a lot of things, but I want to come back to his theme at the very beginning. And really, it is, it is Wayne's mantra. It's be customer-centric. And the interesting thing is he's really come up with some methodology in his leadership team to reward people that follow this key tenant of MediaMark where we are all focused. But what he did say was interesting. It isn't always money that they pass those rewards forward. And it's something that I'm bad at. I, uh, it's one thing that I admit. I think that a lot of people that are moving really fast are bad at this. Um, I also think that some individuals who don't like praise or don't like people saying, hey, you're doing a great job. Like, no, you pay me and I wake up every day to do a great job and I do it because it's my pride. But what Wayne is saying is it does mean a lot to people 
to recognize when they've taken that extra step. And what it de- what it has a tendency to do, and you can hear him in, in his comments really dig into this, it has a tendency to instill it in the culture of the organization. And I, and I believe when we exit whatever this thing is that we've been going through, and, and now we're in the post side of COVID, I think it's the business people and the entrepreneurs and the professionals that wake up every day to really take care of their most precious resource. So the most precious resource that we have is our team, is the people that we work with every day that we go into battle with. But then our second most precious resource are the people that we serve. And I would say in servant leadership, you serve both of them. You serve the team that you work with, but you also serve that customer base. And uh, we just have to look at a long list of failed organizations or organizations that once were great, that lost sight of the fact that that customer and the team of people that we choose to serve that customer are those two most precious resources. Wayne had a number of other nuggets in there that he's dealing with right now. The fact that local businesses, they need to do a better job of serving those local businesses and helping to solve their problems. They can't just be a one-trick pony that walks in to, to sell ads and solve the awareness problem. The, the, the business owner is looking for more solutions and they're looking for trusted experts that understand the entire ecosystem. And uh, we, we discussed some tactics as to how you might go to market. I think there's some really good learnings in there around how, uh, you know, I really struggle with this. I don't think that we should be positioning ads and foundational digital marketing services in the same conversation. I think you want to separate them out because they're separate tactics. They need to be measured separately. And one piece needs to be there for the other to be successful. So um, some learnings there and, and some validation of things that we've been talking about from somebody that lives it every day. Thanks to Wayne Bischoff for joining us. And thanks for you, our most precious resource, our listeners and our subscribers that uh, join us all over the all over the world for the Conquer Local podcast. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast with your host, George Leith. Executive producers are Brendan King, Jeff Tomlin, and Danny Mario. Audio engineering, Sound Lounge by T-Bone. Marketing by Rory Lawford. Produced by Colleen McGrath.